Uh, thank you, Leslie, for that. I just I enjoy watching the video with the song. There's something about the art that goes together. Um, I really, really appreciate that. Um, quote from C.S. Lewis. Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was much bigger than our world. It's a very true statement. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today is the perfect gift during the sermon today. But I want to make a few quick announcements. Today's baby shower for Adam and Amber Mays is today. Um, from 2 to 4 o'clock right outside the main portico here outside of front of the Jennings building. Uh, and also, I'm pleased to announce that uh, Christmas in Teeville has been fully funded, um, which is a great blessing. They have 76 families that they're going to be helping this year. Uh, but if you do have money that you brought to give to that, uh, you're welcome to still give that. That money will go towards next year's because uh, in the springtime, all the winter coats will go on sale, and so they'll be able to buy those up while they're on sale. And so continue to give um, because that will help them out next year, being able to get things throughout the year uh, that might be on clearance. Um, and also, too, we have one more announcement. I'm going to ask Ms. Sharon McKee to come up. She's been doing the Kids Corner. Uh, she also is putting together this book uh, to send home with kids and parents, and so you guys will be able to have a couple weeks of things to do together throughout the Advent season. Good morning. Um, I'm excited here at Christmas time to be sharing it with you at East Taylorsville Baptist Church. And it's been a delightful privilege since the kids have not been able to go to Sunday school to be able to prepare these Bible papers for your children every week and for you as a family to discuss them when you take them back home during the week or to let them finish it up if they didn't finish. You know, God is really good. And he's blessed us. And most of all, we still have his word. And I pray that that's something that is daily in your life. Because I can't think of any more comfort than I get than from reading God's word, especially in a day like today and what we're going through. And I just want to thank you. Thank you, parents for bringing your children every week in spite of what's going on around us. And thank you to those of you church members who are praying for these parents and for their children. And so I've prepared something special for you to do during Christmas vacation so it won't be boring and the kids won't get bored or anything like that. So first of all, when you leave today, parents, there will be... Um, a letter for you from Pastor Mark and myself. And if you'll take that and read that, that will help you. You also, mom and dad, get your own work to do. This is your booklet. <laughs> and you're going to look at this booklet. It's got some songs in it. It's got some stories in it. It's got some fun games to play. It's got some things you can do in the kitchen. Just all kinds of things. Now, you've got over three weeks with your kids, okay? So spend some time with them and just look through this booklet and say, okay, I'll try that. No, I'm going to tear that one out and throw it away. <laughs> so whatever God leads you to do. But this is going to give you some special things and some special time with your kids during the next three weeks. And then for the kids... The three-year-olds through second grade, here's your opportunity to show Jesus. Thank you for your birthday, Jesus. We're just going to celebrate for the next three weeks. And so you have lots of things in here to do. 
and so you will take this home. And if you're in third through seventh grade, because y'all would be surprised how many sixth and seventh graders do these papers on Sunday. I think it's for the candy they get afterwards, but that's okay. <laughs> Whatever works to keep people in God's word, right? <laughs> so third through sixth graders, you've got a different packet because you're older and you're capable of doing a little bit more. So this will be your packet. So when you come back to the table today, to leave, you will pick up a packet, and Pastor Mark has purchased some nice little Christmas gifts for each of you, and I will have those there at the table for you to take home today, just in case you're gone next week because it is so close to Christmas and some people may be going out of town. So I just want to thank you moms and dads, and thank you kids for making my week every special. I look forward so much to being here on Sunday morning just to see you. And uh, I wish I could just give you all a big hug, but I don't know, they won't let us do that yet. But one of these days we'll be hugging a lot. <laughs> so Merry Christmas and thank you and I'll see you afterwards. God bless you. Thank you, Sharon. For uh, she, she comes in every week. She's here every week throughout the week, and she's working on different things for the kids, and uh, she works with Mark, and uh, it's, it's really neat to see somebody step up and say, hey, I want to do this, and so we just let people run with their ideas, and um, it's, it's neat to see people serve in that way, and so uh, if you are visiting with us this morning, you, you ventured out during COVID times to find a new church, welcome. Uh, I applaud you for, for doing that. Uh, if you're watching online, thank you for watching us, and if you're in the parking lot, we also uh, hope that you enjoy today's service out in the parking lot. But for now, uh, if you will, stand up, greet your neighbor, and uh, we're going to sing a few Christmas carols.
good morning again. So uh, let's pray. Pray the. I'm sure there's a lot of folks that have a lot of a lot of hurting right now. Um, if you would just remember all those. I know there's been some folks passed away, but also just uh, remember what we're here for today. And it's a trying time. And uh, let's just pray. And then uh, then the tr the trio is going to sing and look forward to hearing that. And Leslie just did a great job. I just want to say that it's good to hear you again, and I appreciate that as well. All right, let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for the good day that you've given us. And Lord, thank you that we've been able to uh, establish this place and you've blessed us, Lord, that we can, we can build such a place that we can gather together. And Lord, for those folks that are visiting with us, I thank you for their efforts as Justin has mentioned. And Lord, I just um, thank you for them being here and bless those churches, Lord, that aren't able to, to meet. Lord, I pray that you just uh, continue to bless them. Lord, now as we go uh, into this Christmas season, help us truly remember what it's about. Thank you for the music that we've heard already and what we're going to hear. And Father, just remind us what this Christmas season is truly about, even during this trying time. Father, be with those that aren't with us today. Lord, those that are struggling, pray that you just put your arms around them. And Father, those families that have lost loved ones uh, recently, I pray that you just put your arms around them. And Lord, for those that uh, uh, have seemed to be struggling with their health, and Lord, now they're on the other side and they seem to be getting better, we just give you praise for that and thank you for that. And Father, moving forward, I pray that you just take our fears and we turn those fears into faith, have faith in you, Lord. And again, we want to tell you that we love you. Thank you, Lord, for another day that you blessed us with. Pray now that you would just to watch over us as we travel to and from. And Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus, at all times. In your name we ask it. In your name we do pray. And I'm in. Thanks.
Christmas presents are exciting. Do you remember what you'd say is the best gift you've ever received at Christmas? I asked my kids this question, and here's what they said. My six-year-old loved her little talkie doll that could talk, blink, and not much else. Cost a whopping $110 after tax, and it lasted for a solid eight months before it found its way to the back of her closet. My nine-year-old said his favorite was the popular fantasy book series, six books in all, each getting progressively longer. The set cost $58 and lasted eight weeks before it lived its final dust-filled existence on a shelf. Now my tween loved the Brainy Putty collection that cost $32 and lasted a measly eight days before it went to live in our carpet. Finally, my teenage son wanted the ultimate drone with a 4K camera. It cost the most and lasted the shortest amount of time. I'd like to say it lasted eight minutes, but no, it was eight seconds, which is only impressive in bull riding. As exciting as those gifts are, what if there was a gift at Christmas that was far better? In fact, so much better that it makes these look like, well, toys. What if this gift was worth so much that no one could buy it for you, nor could you afford it? What if it was something of extreme value, like, say, life itself? And what if this gift was given through the birth of a baby who became our paid-in full? That's the gift offered to all. It costs us nothing, him everything. It lasts just a bit longer than eight seconds, eight days, eight weeks, or even eight months. It lasts forever. Well, good morning. We're going to talk about uh, the perfect gift this morning. Uh, if you will, if you're able, uh, and you have your Bibles, go ahead and stand up. We're going to read Isaiah chapter 9 uh, verses 1 through 7. Typically, we, we like to hang out on verse 6 and pick that verse out and, and talk about it at Christmas time, which is the right thing to do. Uh, but we want to take the verse and put it in its context this morning and, and work through uh, systematically verses 1 through 6. And so uh, I'm going to be reading 
uh, from Isaiah, again, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be under or upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more, heav- more heavily oppressed her. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoils. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, it's such a great opportunity to be able to stand up here uh, and to proclaim your word. Lord, I thank you for uh, the confidence that was placed in me by our staff to be able to take this opportunity to do this. Lord, we thank you for um, the, the, the opportunity to be able to gather as a body, Lord, to study your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me this morning as I bring the word. Uh, Lord, help me to remember those things that I've studied and that I've uh, learned, God. And I pray that you'd help me to speak with clarity, Lord, and be humble about it. And Lord, we just ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. All right, so Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah in itself is a, a very prophetic book, if you're not familiar uh, with Isaiah. And so there's more than just a baby is coming. Isaiah knows more about this baby than we understand. Verse 1, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. So keep in mind, the book of Isaiah is written, we believe, 700 years before the actual birth of Jesus. Okay, So this is a very important thing to keep in mind. There's close to 48 Old Testament prophecies concerning the person of Jesus. 48 are going to have to be fulfilled in the New Testament. Now, the odds of a person fulfilling eight of the 48 are one in 100 billion, okay? The odds are very slim. But for somebody to be able to, and if you're, if you're not a numbers person and you don't really, uh, numbers don't compete with you very well, let me do a, a little picture for you. The state of Texas is huge. If you were to take the state of Texas and put quarters on it, two foot deep, across the entire state of Texas, and one coin was red, you would blindfold somebody, throw them out of a plane, and they would pick the one coin out of all the coins. That's the kind of prophecy that we're talking about. For all these things to take place, that's the kind of odds that we're talking about. And to fulfill all 48 of the Old Testament prophecies pointing towards the person of Jesus, it would be 1 in 12 trillion. Okay? So, prophecy. What are the chances? But we know... We have the New Testament. We're able to read ahead. Isaiah wasn't able to do that. 
So, not only does he prophesy in, in, chapter, in, in, in verse number 6 that a son is going to be born and is going to be given to us, he also tells us in the very first two verses where Jesus is going to begin his ministry. If you'll change the slide, Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. Again, remember, Isaiah didn't have this. I'll read it for you. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. Okay, these are northern regions in Israel. Uh, they're named after the 12 sons of Jacob. So, that he did that. He went to these two places that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by, the, by Isaiah the prophet. And then he goes on and he quotes... Chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. And it finishes in verse 17 and says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus is prophesied to come, and then he's also prophesied as where he's going to begin his earthly ministry. And he goes exactly to that place. So he's fulfilling, he's not just setting up camp randomly. He is starting in Capernaum and these two tribes of Israel. He is fulfilling 700-year-old prophecy from our text in Isaiah. All right, so as we work through this passage, there's some things that I want you to kind of notice as we go. There's opposites. There's multiple opposites as we go through these verses systematically. The first one is gloom to glory. Nevertheless, or but, we're shown the first verse. I'm going to read this verse out of the ESV. But there will be no gloom for her was for her who was in anguish in the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious by the way of the sea, by the beyond the Jordan and, the, and Galilee of the nations. Okay, so this gloom, where does this gloom come from? If you flip back to chapter 8, the very last verse, verse 22, says this, And they will look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. That's the very verse that's talking about the gloom. Naphtali had just been captured by Assyria. If you go back to 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 29, it says, In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pelzar, king of Assyria, came and captured all the land of Naphtali and carried the people captive to Assyria. So that's where this gloom is coming from. They've just been captured and taken to Assyria. But there's going to be glory if you look there um, later in that verse, it says, But in the later time, he made glorious the way of the sea. And we see that he did that when he went in Matthew chapter 4. He made his way to those places. And so he's going, again, Isaiah did not know this. He did not have the New Testament to look at. He prophesied these things to take place. And sure enough, they took place. The next one is from dark to light. If you look in verse 2, you'll see that. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Remember, walking in the darkness of captivity. They'd just been captive, uh, sent to captivity in Assyria. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Again, he didn't know that was going to happen. He prophesied it to happen, and we see it take place there in Matthew chapter 4. The next one that you come to is verse 3. Verse 3. Little to much. Verse 3 says, You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. So there's three ways that he takes little and makes it much. The first one is in population. If you like alliteration, it's population. 
provision and protection. So population. He's increased the population of Israel. If you remember the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, it says that Abram, his name is changed to Abraham, and he will make him a father of many nations. And how does he do that? If we look in John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus arrives, and Jesus says, I have all of these sheep who hear my voice, but I also have this other flock over here who also hear my voice, the Gentiles, and they too must come with me. And so he's made a great nation out of the sons of Abram because he's now included the Gentiles. He has multiplied the population. And then we have provision. If you see the second part of that verse, provision, he's given them joy according to the harvest. So he's taken what they have as little and made much when it comes to food. And then we see protection. It says the men rejoice as they divide the spoils. Well, you can only divide the spoils if you conquer your enemy. And so he's providing protection for his people. Okay? So population, provision, protection has all been multiplied. The next one that you see is in verse 4, bondage to freedom. Verse 4 says, You have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. So we see bondage to freedom. What are the things that God breaks? He breaks the yoke. He breaks the staff. He breaks the rod of his enemies. And he does it in such a way that it leaves no doubt that only God could have done it. That's why it mentions in there, as in the day of Midian. How many of you remember when Gideon defeated the Mennonites? I'll remind you quickly of how that went. Gideon was chosen uh, as one of the judges in Judges chapter 6 and 7. If you want to read that this afternoon, it's a great, great story of, of Gideon. And so he's chosen. God comes and he sends an angel and he says, I want you to lead my people against the Midianites. And he first says, no, 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 no. I'm the weakest of my tribe of Manasseh. And he goes through the things where he does the water and the fleece, or the dew and the fleece, and then he says, okay, the next day I want you to flip it. God is extremely patient with him, because he asked God for a lot of tests. Okay? So God is patient with him, and then he ends up accepting the call to go and defeat the Midianites. And he's given this large army, and then he has to whittle it down. And if you remember the last time that he had to whittle it, um, he got his number down to 300. Because he took them down to the water, and they went down to the water, and some of the men went down on their hands and their feet, or on their knees, and they put their face in the water. And then some of the men went down to the water and took a knee, and they took the water in their hands, and they lapped it like dogs. And God said, I want you to keep the dog lappers. There's 300 of them. And why? Because if you take the water up, and you lick it, and you lap it out of your hands, you can see your surroundings. Those who stick their face down in the water can no longer see the enemy coming, and so they're not fit for battle. And so God says, I want you to take 300 dog lappers, 300 dog lappers, and I want you to take them, and I want you to put them around the camp of the Midianites. Okay, the Midianites were in a valley, kind of a a bowl per se, Um, and so he broke up the men. They had 300 men. He put them all around the top of the camp, and each man had a light or a torch. Typically, uh, in times of battle, if you would have saw a light in the darkness in times of battle, each light would have represented a battalion, which would have been a thousand men. So if you see 300 lights around your camp, how many men would you suspect are there? 
300 times 1,000, 300,000 men is what the Midianites had thought were there. Okay? And then he says that they had trumpets, and so they blow their trumpets really loud, and then they all have pots, and they chuck their pots down the hill, and they break, and as pottery tumbles down the hill, it makes a, a, a really nasty sound. And it sounds like a bunch of armor coming down towards the Midianites. The Midianites wake up, and they panic, and they, they turn to one another, and they start to kill each other in the dark because they don't, they, it's this night watch. They don't, they're not prepared for this. And so they end up killing each other, and the, 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 uh, the 300 dog lappers defeat the entire Midian army without even a sword. Okay? So only God could have made that happen. And it's a total defeat. It's not just a, uh, a they, they ran off, you know, licking their wounds. It's a total defeat because in verse 5, if you read it, it says, For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel for fire. They beat them so bad that they become servants of them. They take their garments and they use them for fuel for fire. This is kind of seen in the New Testament when Jesus comes back one day and he's going to make our enemies what? Our footstools. He's going to defeat them so bad that our enemies become our footstools. Okay? So this is what Jesus does. He does things to where only he can get the credit for it. So how are all these things going to take place? He's taken gloom to glory. He's taken dark to light. He's taken little to much. He's taken bondage to freedom. How is this going to take place? Well, this gets us to the very popular verse that we always read, is verse number six. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is how it's going to take place. He's going to reverse all of these things by sending a child. So Jesus is going to come. He's going to set up this government one day. It's going to be on his shoulders, and he is going to govern it. And the ways that he is going to govern it is listed for us in these names. The first name that we see is Wonderful Counselor, Infinitely Wise. Wouldn't it be great if our government was infinitely wise? We'll make great decisions all the time. This is what Jesus is going to come do. Isaiah 29, or verse, or chapter 28, verse 29 says this. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Romans chapter 11, verses 33 and 34 say this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counselor? Nobody counsels God. I don't know if you've ever noticed that when you read scripture. God never asks for our opinion on things. He is the counselor. He's wise. He knows all. So he's the one who counsels us. Every time I'm driving down the road, I see somebody with the Jesus is my co-pilot sticker. I kind of cringe a little bit. Because he's not. He's not your co-pilot. If Jesus is your co-pilot, find a new pilot, okay? He should be, you know, if the, if the plane's going down, I want Jesus to be flying my plane, right? So, Jesus is not, he's not your, you don't get to sound things off of him and say, hey, Jesus, do you think this is a good idea? No. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He knows all. Trust him. Follow him. Don't make Jesus your co-pilot. That's silly. Mighty God is the next one. This is kind of self-explanatory, okay? Mighty God. God is strong. He will do things that only God himself can do. He's the hero, just like when he defeated the Midianites. We're going to kind of circle back to this one when we get towards the end. Um, 
But we're just going to leave that there for now. He's mighty God. He does things that only God can do. I'm sure if we would uh, have a chance here in the service to say, hey, you guys want to stand up and give a testimony of something that only God was able to do in your life, we would all be able to stand up and to give an account for something that God has done. So he's mighty, okay? He's mighty. He's strong. He's going to do things that only he can do. The next one is everlasting father. He's forever caring. Isaiah says this. Listen to this. See if you can wrap your mind around it. I have a hard time doing it. Isaiah says that the promised child is everlasting. Think about how astounding that statement really is. A child born into the world. I can hear mine over there right now making some noise. A child born into the world is yet called everlasting. This child will not come into existence when he is born, for he's everlasting. He has no beginning and no ending. Could Isaiah have said it any more plainly that God is incarnate? He became a child. That's something hard to really wrap our minds around. God is not affected by time. He's outside of time. But now, when Jesus came inside of time, he was affected by time. If you remember Mary Martha, when Lazarus died, she said what? If you would have been here Lazarus would not have died. And so he was affected by time. He could not be two places at one time. But one thing Jesus did do when he entered time, he changed time forever. A.D. and B.C., before Christ and after death. And so when he steps down from his out-of-time experience, he comes here to earth and he changes time forever. So if God is everlasting his fatherhood must also be everlasting. And so, if you read in Psalms chapter 103, verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And so, his passion, his, his compassion, his caring nature also must be everlasting because he is everlasting. And the last one that we see is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace, he's the bringer of peace. And the way that he goes about bringing peace is a very violent way. Isaiah, again, has lots of prophecies. And another one that we're going to talk about real quick is Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6. Very, very popular passage. Says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So how does he bring peace? He brings peace by giving his son up. Because here's the reality. You can flip to the next slide. Jesus didn't come to simply fulfill prophecy. He came to deal with a problem that we had. It's a problem of our sin. Okay, this is where the gospel comes into place. So it pleased the Father to crush his son so that he could bring us peace because we are enemies of God. The wrath of God was satisfied as he poured it out on his son on behalf of us. See, it's an heroic act that only God can do. He is a mighty God. Is he not? Who else could do that? Who else could do that? Nobody, right? So I brought this gift with me this morning. 
<clears throat> Here's a gift. Inside this, fictitiously speaking, it's a gift of eternal life. Okay? Jesus offers us this gift. Jeff, what did you bring this morning in exchange for this gift? Huh? Amanda, what did you bring this morning? Anybody? Anybody bring anything in exchange for this gift? No. It's by grace alone that you're able to take this gift. It's an amazing thing. Some of you in this room have taken the gift. You've taken the gift. But you've left the lid on it. You're not experiencing the gift. The gift of eternal life begins when? Now. If you remember the Lord's Prayer, it said, Your will be done on earth as it is in Open the gift. Enjoy the gift. Sometimes I see people walking around holding the gift and they just look like death. We're out here singing every Sunday morning with the praise team and there's people out here like this. Am I right, praise team? Am I right? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Open the gift. Enjoy the gift. You're supposed to have abundant life now. How silly, what, you can't just take this gift and say, well, I'm just going to open it up one day when I die so I can have eternal life. No. Enjoy the gift. How morbid would it be if I went down here and said, hey, Sharon, here's a gift for you, but you can't open it till you die. Hello? That's a terrible gift. Open the gift. Some of you have. Some of you have taken this gift, and it is evident in your life that you are experiencing the gift. I can tell it by the way that you lead your families, the way that you live your life, the way that you do your finances, the way that you work at your job and never complain. Some of you are enjoying the gift as it is intended, and you have life, and you have life abundantly. And then some of you have refused to take the gift. You know, so you know how it is when you go to a, a Christmas party, and somebody gives you a gift and you didn't bring one? It's awkward, right? And so inside your pride's like, no, I can't take that gift. I don't have anything for you. Sometimes in life, you just have to swallow your pride and take the gift. You got to swallow your pride and take the gift. Now, some of you may be, may be uh, uh, skeptical, right? You're a critic. How can it be that somebody can just give me eternal life and not have anything in exchange for it? You need to take the gift, peek inside of it, study it for a while. And I promise, once you figure out what the gift is, you won't be able to turn it down. You'll take the gift. So I encourage you this morning, one, if you've taken the gift and you're not enjoying it, start using it. Enjoy the gift, okay? Don't wait till you die to open up the gift. Eternal life begins now. Some of you are enjoying your gift, great. Keep enjoying it. Keep sharing the love of God with others. Some of you need to just take the gift. You've been fighting this for months. You need to take the gift, Okay? And then others of you may be skeptical and say, ah, I just don't see how somebody could give such a great gift and not have anything in return. It makes no sense. Some of you need to go home and just explore the gift a while. Okay? Just explore the gift for a while. I'm going to read this last verse, verse number 7 in closing. It says this, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David 
and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So if you ask for the gift, you say, well, how do I take the gift? Scripture says, anyone who calls on my name will be saved. That's how you take the gift. And the last part of that verse says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It's a promise. It's a promise. Everything that Isaiah said is a promise. Everything that Jesus said is a promise. So I encourage you this morning, enjoy the gift. And if you haven't taken the gift, I would encourage you to take the gift. It's up to you. Everyone in this room, everyone who's watching online, everyone in the parking lot have all been offered the gift. From this point on, it's up to you. What will you do with the gift? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had just to be able to come and to divide your word. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this room this morning. Lord, they're all, they're all in the midst of, of making a decision. The, the, the offer is in front of them. Jesus has come to deal with sin, not just fulfill prophecy. So Lord, I just ask that you would deal with men's hearts this morning. Lord, do a work that only you can do because you are a mighty God. Lord, you're the hero. Lord, only you can save. It's not by works, only by grace that we're able to be saved. And so, Lord, I ask that you deal with men's hearts today. Lord, even if they leave this place, Lord, that you would continue to deal with them. Lord, they'll be able to be able to call the church this week and just be able to chat over the phone about the gift. Lord, we just ask that you would encourage us this week, Lord, to take the gift, to open it, to enjoy it. Lord, you've given us eternal life that begins now. It doesn't just begin when we die. Lord, only when we die for the believer, it's, that's when we can, we're able to live in harmony with you forever without the struggle of flesh and sin. Eternal life will be perfected after our death, but it can be enjoyed now. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to enjoy the gift that you've given us. Lord, as we go through the Christmas season, Lord, we ask that you'd help us to keep this in mind. Lord, that it is only because of the birth of your Son that we are able to have salvation. Lord, we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. just want to say thank you guys for coming. I want to remind you, uh, next week we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, which is the announcement of Christ. Jamie's going to pick up there. Um, today, also, baby shower, right, for the maze, right out front. Don't want to forget that. Uh, if you haven't gone shopping yet, it's too late because it's 2 o'clock. Give them some money, okay? Uh, and they can use it. Diapers are expensive. Trust me, I know I'm buying them myself. All right, so you guys have a great afternoon. I uh, love you guys. If you can help you this week, just call the church office and we'll be happy to help. Um, we'll see you next week.